So the gathering this year, we're doing a theme of bridges, kind of building bridges, those places in our life where we, we, there's a gap. And some of those are emotional bridges, spiritual bridges, talking through how to help other people cross spiritual bridges. And so as we were approaching December, I was thinking about the bridge of the secular to the sacred. It's really a bridge that we need reinforced every year, don't we? Because this season is so much fun and it's beautiful and it's great family time. There is so much about the secular at Christmas time that is good. And yet there's a sacred piece of Christmas that it's easy to miss as we're rushing through the Christmas concerts and the shopping and the crafts and the what do the kids need. And the person that came to my mind was Carrie Wood. And I want to just introduce you a little bit to Carrie Wood. I met Carrie, I want to say 10-ish years ago, when we both had babies, which kind of blows me away because mine are now 17, 15, and 12. And two, five, and seven seems a lifetime ago. I suppose for them it is a lifetime ago. <laughs> and the thing that I remember most is Carrie is passionate about. She gets excited. Am I right, Morgan and Carrie's mom? She gets excited about how God is um, just about the sacred, about the sacred of our holidays and how amazing it is. And so tonight, Carrie's coming to talk with us about the wonder. Carrie is a mom of four. She has been at Salem Alliance 17 years has just recently graduated from Reach Training Institute, our um, church-based youth college here, and she's working at Salem Alliance, and we love having her here. Carrie, come on up. Besides that, besides that, she's my dear friend, and I would um, like to say a quick prayer for her, even though Allie just did. Father, thank you for Carrie. Would you open her mouth to the words that you have for the women who are here tonight? Amen. Thank you. Um, I'm going to repeat a little bit of what Jen said. Um, I, David and I, my husband, came to Sam Alliance um, about a year before we got married um, and loved it, even though it was a lot bigger than either of the places we grew up going to church. Um, we just felt like it was where we belonged. And so we've been here about 17 years, and David and I have been married 16 years. Um, I am in Connecting Ministries. I'm the admin assistant for Connecting Ministries. And if you come on the weekend and they talk about people in orange t-shirts, that's my department. Um, we work at the Welcome Center and we um, help with the hospitality teams, your ushers and your greeters. Um, we work with new guests at Salem Alliance and try and get them connected um, so that they feel like they belong because it's a big place and um, belonging is really important to us. Um, and I have been there since September of 2017, um, as, I as I was a labor and delivery nurse before for 16 years, and went, God called me into Reach Training Institute, and then called me into ministry, and I was like, what? I have a career. Um, and I would tell you that my family said, yeah, we see that, go for it. Um, and that was amazing, so thank you. Um, so I've been here since September 2017. I love it. It's a wonderful place to work. It's a fabulous staff. It's wonderful people to work with. Um, and I'm just really thankful. My kids also were like, what, mom? You're doing what? Um, and they have been blessed by being, me being here. Um, my husband, David, is an assistant principal at McKay. You get to hear a little brief bio of my family. Um, he's an assistant principal at McKay. He's been at McKay for 15 years, both as a teacher and in administration. Um, loves it there. It's um, a beautiful and sometimes hard place to be, McKay High School. Um, and we've just been really thankful to have him there. Four kids, 
Um, did something ha- weird happen with my mic? It felt echoey. In the- I'm going to trust you, Jared. If I need to do something, you let me know. Like that? Okay. Um, four kids. My oldest, Katie, is an eighth grader. Nate is a fifth grader. Um, Elsie is a third grader. And Josiah is a first grader. It always cracks me up that I have to write these things down because sometimes I get up here and then I'm like, how many kids do I have? What are their names? I got those. I got them right. Right, Mom? Okay. Um, and I don't know if those of you who don't have kids might not know that Thanksgiving week is also conference week. So we got to go and meet all the teachers. Um, and I am really, I am so thankful for teachers because um, other people's kids are hard enough without also having to educate them. It's an amazing calling, and I'm so thankful that there are people who are called into that. It's just amazing to me. Um, We have fabulous teachers for my kids this year. We had good conferences. That's not always the case, but it was this year. But I will tell you that four for four, the teachers said, we love having your kids in class. They're so great. They're a little chatty. (laughs) And I said, it's not my husband. Sorry. Um, four for four, seriously. Every single teacher. They're a little chatty. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what am I going to do? Um, so I am so happy to be here this evening. Um, I'm, I love Christmas, and I do sometimes do. I love Christmas. Um, so it's really exciting for me to get to talk to you. Um, it was really exciting. Exciting is not exactly the right word, but... Um, just a blessing to be able to sit down and think through it and um, listen to Holy Spirit. And so often, the people who get to be up here, it's the message for their own hearts, not just the message that they get to share. And so I'm thankful for that. And I'll tell you a little bit about that part of it towards the end. Um, It's December, so we expect it to be Christmassy. But I'm going to go ahead and start in Genesis. Um, Genesis 1 is the first place we're going to Look, and you're welcome to turn there if you want to, but you don't have to. I will read it to you. Um, Genesis is, chapter one, is the creation account. And you know it took um, seven days. God created for six days and then rested for the the seventh day. Um, But he spent the first five days creating the heavens and the earth, light, day and night, sky, dry ground, seas, vegetation, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the fish and the birds. And he looked each day and he said, this is good. And then on the sixth day, he created every sort of animal. So I'm going to start reading in um, Genesis 1:26, And this is the sixth day. What? Sorry. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I heard somebody say something. So Genesis 1:26. This is the New Living Translation. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I'm going to skip down to verse 31. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So there's a couple of things, a couple of reasons why I started there. First of all, God created man and woman in his image. We are created in the image of the Almighty God. 
And for me, that's powerful because I get to represent God and show the image of God to the people around me. It's also powerful because you get to image God to me. And so when we're in community and we pay attention to one another, we get to see the image of God because we're created in his image. That's amazing, amazing to me. Also, he looked at man and woman and his creation and he said it was very good. It's a stronger expression, a stronger pronouncement of how he felt about us created in his image than any of the rest of his creation. And I just, I think that's a really important part of starting this story, that we start with being created in his image and pronounced very good. The God, the God, the creator of the world. That's what he said about us. So you guys probably know what happened next. Eve took the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden and she ate it. She wasn't supposed to. She gave it to Adam and he ate it and he wasn't supposed to. And so then when God came and was walking in the garden, they hid in shame. And because of this sin, Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden and sin and separation and death and sorrow and darkness has been a part of humanity ever since. So Merry Christmas, right? (laughs) This is the part of the story where all is lost. And I know that most of us know the ending of the story, but I think it's important to also remember that there there was darkness and lostness and separation and sin. And that's where humanity was, separated from God. So the gathering theme this year is bridges. Um, We talked, uh, Jennifer talked about bridging secular to sacred and how we do that. And as I was thinking about this theme of bridges, I was thinking about the other things that need bridges. A lot of us have relationships in our lives that need bridges from one person to the other. Um, Some of us have a heartache, incredible heartache in our lives. And how do we bridge to hope? We look at Christmas and we think about the commercialism and the greed and the um, I need to acquire. And how do we get from that place and bridge to contentment and joy? Um, One of the things that happens for me is that I get caught up in the expectations and the to-do lists and the um, need to accomplish all the things. And how do I get from that to this is enough? I am enough. And obviously, since we've looked at the story of creation, how do we get from death and loss to life? How do we bridge that? So I want us to turn, for those of us who have it, or in your phone or whatever, to Matthew 1. Matthew is a gospel that was written to, um, they believe is written to Jewish people. And so the first 17 verses of Matthew chapter 1 are a genealogy and the ancestors of Jesus. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I can get real geeked out about stuff like that, (laughs) the genealogy of Jesus. So if you ever, like, want to dive into it, I encourage you to do so, because it's kind of amazing 
the people that are in the genealogy of Jesus and how important it is that these people were the right ancestors and Jesus is the Messiah and it's really fun. So I would encourage you to do that, but that's a whole nother, whole nother 20 minute talk that I'm not gonna get into today. So we're gonna start in Matthew 1.18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So the bridge, the bridge that spans the secular to the sacred, the bridge that spans heartache, to hope, commercialism, to contentment, expectations to enough, God is with us. Baby Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. God came down to earth in the form of an infant to rescue, restore, redeem humanity and creation and to bring us into relationship with him. I originally kind of thought that the focus of this talk this evening would be wonder. In fact, I looked up the definition of wonder, which is beautiful, I'm sorry, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Well, we have that. But we have that because God is with us. We can feel wonder, but it's because God is with us. That's the bridge. I'm going to tell you a little story about the God is with us and the wonder that happens because of that. And I forgot my props. Can you have any of my props? Thank you. So at our house, we have the willow tree nativity. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. It was all the rage in, what, 2005? Um, but I think they're beautiful. And so I have the willow tree nativity. <clears throat> and I also have, because I have babies, the willow tree pregnant woman. And so this pregnant woman plays the role of Mary until Christmas morning. In fact, I think they did that back there, yeah. And at our house, Mary and Joseph, or at least they did when I had less than four children, um, because sometimes traditions happen really well when there's one and when there's four. Um, <laughs> we, we have a lot of love, and sometimes I, we don't have a lot of follow-through. But when my oldest was little, when she was about four years old, um, Mary and Joseph would start in Nazareth, and Nazareth was the upstairs playroom, because of course it was, um, and they would move every night down to Bethlehem to um, the nativity and the little stable where all the shepherds were waiting for them. Um, and my four-year-old 
was fascinated by this, as four-year-olds are wont to be, um, by Mary, pregnant Mary and Joseph. There was no baby Jesus. And then on Christmas morning, um, on Christmas Eve, they arrived in the stable. And on Christmas morning, I swapped them out for Mary and baby Jesus, which, by the way, right now is missing at our house. <laughs> so we'll have to find her, <laughs> baby Jesus. Um, swapped them out so that Christmas morning at, in our nativity and then for the next week was um, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And Katie came into our room because that's the rule. On Christmas morning, you have to come to our room. She climbed into bed and we read the Christmas story and talked to each other and then we let her, you know, unleash them to go see if Santa came and if there's presents and that kind of thing. And you would expect a four-year-old to run out and be like, oh, presents under the tree. Katie ran to the stable. And she kind of bent over in front of it. And she goes, Mama, Jesus is here. That's the first thing she did. And I thought, yeah, baby girl, you're right. God is with us. He came to be with us because he adores us and he loves us. The wonder of the season, that thing that moves us, the bridge, is that God is with us. And it's all over scripture. It's not just that one time when he was born and was in a manger. It's throughout. In Philippians 2, it says, Christ did not think that equality with God was something to be held on to. Rather, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. See, God was with us and is with us. Hebrews 4 says that we have a high priest who understands our weaknesses because he faced all the same testings that we do. God is with us. In John 14, 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and I love, I love this. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. God is with us. And the very last thing Jesus said to his disciples, recorded in Matthew 28, 20, be sure of this, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with us. So the reality is, here we are at Christmas, and we celebrate Emmanuel. God is with us. And it's a world that is secular, and that's okay. And it's a world that's commercial, and that's okay. And it's a world that is full of to-do lists and expectations, and that's okay. It's a world where there are people who are celebrating their first Christmas without somebody that they love dearly. 
It's a world where people are facing catastrophic illnesses from which they may not recover. And it's a world where there's a whole community that no longer have homes or businesses or schools. There's great heartache in this world. And the knowledge that God is with us doesn't make that heartache go away. I'm not claiming that tonight. We are not alone. God loved us so much that he sent his son. And he called him Emmanuel. I am with you. You are not alone. We're going to take a little time to just kind of reflect. And I actually had two questions The first one is, where do you see the wonder of God with you? And the second one is, how do you incorporate wonder into your season? Not as a to-do list, but as a privilege and an acknowledgement of God's love for you. And as I kind of sat with these, I was like, God, will you give me some revelation? And he said, come away with me, Carrie. And I said, okay. And he said, I am with you. That's all you need. And it made me cry. Because the God of creation, like that, there's that song, Mary, Did You Know? And I know some people love it. Some people think it's cheesy, and that's okay. But they're talking about Mary holding a baby. And in that baby... That baby is, not in that baby, that baby is the great I am, the creator of the heavens and the earth, come as a baby because he loves us. So answer those questions or sit and let the God who loves you fill you with the reality of the fact that he is with you. And he promises to never, ever leave.